Good morning, church. My name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you in the house, especially during this week of inclement weather. Woo, glad it's over, at least partially. Don't know exactly what to do with all the, the snow yet. This is Campus Sunday, and I am wearing my garb. This is where I went to school. It's my alma mater. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the superior school in the Big Ten. There are certain privileges that would come with having the mic. And uh, we believe in our campus ministers. We believe in campus ministry. The whole educational institution is doing what it can to try to intentionally shift people away from Judeo-Christian mores. God is not relevant. He's not even real. And we are doing what we can to do our best to gather the the harvest that the Lord has appointed on the, on the campuses because they are the leaders of tomorrow. They are the thinkers that are going to change thought in corporate America, in the arts, in the athletic realms, in the economic realms. And so we intentionally go after our college campuses. And we'll have more about that at the end of the service. We're going to receive an offering for a campus conference we're going to host for our Every Nation world. Every Nation happens to be the organization under which this church finds its home. And we will be hosting the East Coast Campus Conference for schools from Florida all the way to Boston. And they'll be attending here, about 1,000 kids, and it's going to be an enormous time. So we're going to receive an offering for that. uh, That's why we look the way we look. Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to continue our series on who we are as a people. And... The last three weeks, we've been discussing our mission, what it means to encounter Christ, what it means to experience community, and then the third, what it means to extend the kingdom. We want to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, not just religion. We want to experience the people that he's called us to walk with, called the church. So we want to have community that is substantive, not just a name on a roll. And then we want to extend the kingdom, take what we've got out here, in here, and take it out there. Reach people who don't know Jesus. Today, we're going to continue to talk about who we are because the last three weeks have been mission. Today is our core values. And our core values are those which are the underpinnings to our mission. There are five. Lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and family. Lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and family. Those five things we concentrate on so that we can do our mission well. And I I would encourage you to develop your own system of being able to figure out whether you are successful on a regular basis, whether you're doing what you should do. I've got five things in my life that I kind of review every week. So Sunday is the period to my week. If the week is a paragraph, this is the period for me. I rest on Monday. And every Sunday I go through these five things in my personal life to determine whether I've been successful that week. My personal five are, have I been philanthropic? Now they all start with F, yet some of them are phonetically F. (laughs) Philanthropic. Have I been giving? Have I sowed? Have I sacrificed for somebody else's benefit? Two, have I been filled by God? 
Lord, have I stayed in your presence enough whereby I am just full of you and able to be overflowing so I can serve others? Three, have I been faithful to my wife, to my friends, to my God? Four, have I, have I been fruitful in my ministry? Have the things I've done worked out to, to, to where now you can get glory from it? Or have I just been spinning my wheels? And that hones me in so that I do the things which are most important. And number five is, dear, can you help me? Ah, no, 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 no. It'll come to me later. Say it again. Fitness. I know why I forgot that one. I hate working out. I hate it. I can't tell you how much I hate it. My children know because I tell them every time I do it. I hate this. You, you know when you work at it, the, the reason I don't like it, because it's not like you can put it in the bank. It's not like you work out on Monday and it, it like is there for you for the rest of the month. No, you got to work out again on Wednesday. And it, it just never... It, 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 and I do the kind of workout where at least twice a month, you, you know, maybe you've never gotten there, but you, your, your gums get numb. They start tingling. You feel like you're going to throw up. That's how much I put... Somebody just went, yes! No! <laughs> but that's how much I push it. Because I've got to be strong for you. I've got to be strong for my family. I plan to live long and strong, not long and weak. That's my goal. So I'm just not trusting that God is going to fix everything I break through diet and lack of exercise. I'm saying, I want to partner with you in my health. So I, I fitness, yeah. But at the end of the week, I'm able to say, did I do it? And check them off. If I didn't, I said, oh, I got to do better next week. Please develop something like that so you can have mile markers on the regular that allow you to know whether you're doing good or not. And these five things allow us the privilege, meaning as a people, lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership, development, and family, allow us to know how are we doing as a congregation. So today, we're going to go through lordship. And I don't think we're going to be able to get through all five, but, but at least we'll go through the first one. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The title of the message is GCC Values, Guides and Progress Markers. Guides and Progress Markers. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. 21 through 23. Jesus is speaking and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God help us as we study. Lordship gives us the privilege of knowing who we should love. Lordship is just not a title. It's not something that he has as a nameplate over his door so that we can recognize we're at the right spot. And most Christians use Jesus as Lord, that name, as a title. Or maybe as as a name on a ticket that somehow allows them, they think, access into heaven. That if they go ahead and just say the right phrase, 
It's magical. And it allows you to get places you never could before. And they make their religion something less than it should be because all religion is supposed to be based on relationship. Religion is only that which helps shore up what you've got relationally. When you lose the relational side and only do the religion, you've blown it. You've missed it. You have that which Peter and, and Paul talk about. You have something of a form of God, but you don't have the power. You don't have the power. And the power is your relational connectivity with the Father. What Jesus is to you on the regular. Your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And, and you need to relate to him how he wants to be related to. You cannot define the way you want to relate to God. You're going to be sorely disappointed in the results if you do. He has a way that he knows is best for us to communicate with him, to speak with him, to address him, and to live by him. And we are not the ones who know that way. In fact, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Please do not pull him down to your level and think he thinks like you. You don't want a God who thinks like you. You, 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 don't, you think you do, but you do not. Because you don't think right and you don't think well. Your, your thoughts may... How many times have you said, my bad? <laughs> my, 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 my bad, my bad. Where'd that come from except you didn't know the best way to proceed to begin with, but you thought you did. How many mistakes do we make? You don't want God to be like you, but he wants you to be like him. But you have to understand the gap is wide. It is so wide. You just don't take a step and say, hey, we, we boys, ain't we God? You don't do that. You have to learn and be taught. I've been walking with him for almost 35 years. I'm still learning how to do right. That doesn't mean that for 35 I've been doing wrong. It means I've been doing a whole lot less wrong and a whole lot more right, and I'm getting more right all the time. I am pressing forward that I may lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. I'm not perfect. Nothing about me can ever be confused as being such. But I'm trying to be consistent every day of my life and be better than I was the day before. Every 24 is a new moment for you to say, here I am, oh God. Here I am, I want you to know. I'm a better version today than I was yesterday, which means you can use me differently. Lordship is not just recognizing a nameplate, saying it by way of title. It's function. Function. And Jesus speaks about this beautifully. He says, not everyone who addresses me as Lord respects me as Lord. You might say it, but you don't live it. You might think it, but you don't really believe it. And please, we need, to re we need to change our whole Western mindset of what belief is. Belief is not mental assent. It's not just saying I understand some facts about who God is. Belief, biblically, both Old and New Testament, was best evidenced by how you lived. That you actually believed something if you lived it. If you didn't live it, people thought you didn't believe it. This is why Paul said, anyone who confesses Jesus is Lord is saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you confess him, you are saved. 
Well, you got to remember to whom he was writing. He was writing to the church at Rome. You know that place where Nero lived? That ne- Nobody knows history. Nero was that dude that threw Christians to lions. Put them in the Colosseum and thought, these are lions' play toys. Who in the world in that environment in Rome would say Jesus is Lord if they didn't believe it? You're going to believe it if you say Jesus is Lord because you're going to lose your house. You're going to be thrown to the lions. You don't just play. But we today, without the threat of persecution, Jesus is Lord. We say it very flippantly, but do we mean it? Is he functionally Lord in your life? If you don't obey, you need to, you need to, you need to relook at the question. You need to re-answer. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, respects me will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we prophesy in your name? In your name, did we not perform many miracles? And I will respond to them plainly. I couldn't figure you out. I don't know. I I never knew you. You're going to have to leave. Depart. You cannot enter into my presence. Now, I don't know whether this passage speaks so much of eternity as it does kingdom presence now. It could speak of eternity. But God is the only one who can decide that. But I do know this, that if you do not live the way you should while you're on the planet, you forfeit the right of entering into kingdom reality here. You forfeit that right. Kingdom reality is the privilege of being able to enjoy what God desires here. And everything on the earth is supposed to be transformed into something that pleases him in heaven. That beautiful prayer you pray, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth, just like how? So God's will is not just for you to get to heaven, it's for you to bring heaven here. He's trying to bring heaven in your house. And the longer you live, more of heaven ought to be manifest in your world. The more you obey, it will be. God wants people to experience, he said, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You can't get in it here. When you think about what it means to really recognize Christ as Lord, you have to change your mindset a little bit. First of all, it does, by recognizing him as Lord, it gives you the privilege of knowing who you should love. Because Lord means ruler, master, controller, owner. There's no democracy in God's kingdom. Now, I love democracy. Glad I live in America. But he's, it's a theocracy. He's not looking to dialogue with you about how your life should go. He's not much interested in your opinion. He's really not. He looks at your plan and says, flawed. At best, at best, flawed. Angle work angle work and if it does work it won't work if you get what you want you won't get what you need there are so many people who have had their plans work they've climbed the corporate ladder they are exactly where they want to be at the exact time in their life that they want to be there they got all the money if not more than they ever thought they'd have and yet on the inside everybody else says 
on the inside, they say, I don't know what I'm doing. They go to bed at night thinking, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I got it all, and I got nothing. You got to understand that it means if, if you submit to him as Lord, he's going to wreck your life. Yeah, yeah, he, he's going to wreck your life. He's going to wreck your life. You're going to stop. You're going to have to stop sleeping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have to curtail your drinking. drinking. Listen, you want to have a glass of wine? Happy on you. But there are boundaries that the scripture talks about about how you should drink. And so I, all I'm asking is stay within those boundaries. You don't get drunk. And if somebody you meet has, a, has an issue with you being a believer and you imbibing alcohol, then you say, I ain't going to have none. You don't say, well, it's my freedom. I can do what I want. I'm free in God. I can have many beers as I want to. Thank you. I ain't going to let nobody tell me what to do. That's the problem. He's Lord. He's Lord. And he cares about people. And he wants to make sure that you are not an impediment to somebody else's entrance. He's Lord. So he lays out things. He lays out boundaries and said, you got freedoms. I mean, it it says that Jesus came drinking. John the Baptist didn't. John the Baptist was abstinence. He was a teetotaler. Jesus was drinking. I don't have a problem with alcohol. But I got a problem with the wrong use of it. Now, I don't drink. Just don't. Because I don't want, I don't, my daddy was, my daddy loved it. He, 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 my daddy, my daddy, my daddy leaned heavily that direction. And I have a feeling that there's some genetic thing on the inside of me that might even lean harder. I might just fall. So I know my genetics. And I say no for me. No. Now, do I have some religious reasons as to why it, if I'm going to say Jesus is Lord over this area of my life like this? Yes. Because if you see me out with my wife and I've got a gin and tonic. See? 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 Yeah! Ah, caught ya! Caught ya! You don't even believe your own convictions. You're going to judge me, but you don't want nobody to judge you. You wonderful GCC hypocrite, you. I love you. I love you. You see me out with the genitalia, you're going, oh. Oh. Pastor roll like that. Okay, okay, okay. I see you. I see you. Yeah, I see you. All of a sudden, I come in. You coming on Sunday. I'm sitting here. You can't hear me like you used to hear me. So I say no. But it has nothing to do with God saying, don't break or you're going to hell. Oh, that's just dumb. It's dumb. It's no place in the Bible. It's an extrapolation of passages that are prohibitive in circumstance, but not always. That's why I don't drink, because I care about you. 
Lordship means you apply the power and authority of God to every area of your life. And you don't, you don't use all of your good works to, to, to somehow commend you before God as being worthy of his attention. You see, these people about whom Jesus was speaking, they weren't, they weren't very obedient, but they were spectacular. They probably weren't faithful to their wives. They didn't give on a regular basis. They didn't do the things that were explicitly stated in Scripture, but they thought they could make up for it by being spectacular in ministry. Well, you know, I am, I know I'm sleeping around, but I gave some turkeys at Thanksgiving to, to an elderly home. That should get me something before God, right? I went on a missions trip, and, 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 and I know I took a little money where I shouldn't supposed to take it at work, but, but I'm sacrificing this to my God, and that should take care of that, right? That's how we live. If we were, if we were to be honest, that's how we think. And we justify it by saying, well, nobody's perfect. True. But simply because nobody's perfect doesn't give you a license to, to intentionally try to be imperfect. You ought to at least be trying. At least try. Rather than trying to make up for your lack of trying. Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we perform miracles? I said the story many times. My son came to me at the age of seven, and mom had had, had bought some uh, a, a birthday present for me. It was my birthday, and daddies get socks and underwear. That's what daddies get. So my son wrapped, Cynthia wrapped it up, and Joseph gave it to me. When, when Joseph was excited, he was this is my oldest. He was seven. He he'd lick his lips a lot. <laughs> And he was excited. He was so happy because this was the first time he could actually present daddy something. And, and, and cogn- you know, cognitively, he was really... And so I, I said, oh, boy, thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank you. Came a big hug, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you do this to me all the time. Now, I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't. So I finished my moment with my son, did our cake, happy birthday time. I ran upstairs. I said, God, what was that? He said, yeah, you do this to me all the time. When you go on a missions trip, when you preach really well, you come to me like this. <laughs> was that good, Lord? Was that, was that good? Was that good? You offer me things, hoping that I'll be pleased. The difference between you and me and you and him is that you know I gave you the ability to do those things. He has no idea. You gave him the money to buy your own gift. <laughs> See, this is why Jesus wasn't impressed. We cast out devils. Oh, oh, oh yeah. whose name did you use? <laughs> Who, whose name? What, you used in the name of Jesus, right? You prophesied. Yeah, yeah. Was that, it? Was that in Tom's name? Thus says Tom. You, you laid hands on somebody and a miracle occurred. What name did you... Where did you get the... Pa- you want me to be impressed... That I gave you the money to, to give my own gift to me? It doesn't work like that. 
This is why we cannot come to God with our good works and say, see, you must now respect me. It's never good enough. And whatever you did, he gave you the power to do it. So he is completely unimpressed. And whatever you did was not as good as he would have done it. So at best, he's saying, good job, little boy. Patting us on the head, giving us an A for effort. But he could have done it much better without you. And the only reason he invited you to do it is because he wants you to participate with him just as a father wants his sons and daughters to participate with him in the family business. That's the only reason. He loves you. So he's unimpressed with your good works. What he is impressed with is your obedience. That captures his attention lordship obeying him recognizing him as the one to whom you owe all of your allegiance your time your energy and there is not an area of your life in which he should not rule not one your morality your finances your career opportunities your plans your dreams your past he needs to rule over all of it and you need to present it to him Now, when you do this, it gives you the privilege of having him know you. He says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Obedience allows us the privilege of God gaining intimacy with us because we are partnering with him in his will. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, those who love God are known by him those who love God are known by him it doesn't say those who love God know God now there's no question if you love him you know him better than you used to before you used to love him but how much how much can you really know of him to brag about how much you know of him so that somehow he has to gain you access to his presence he's infinite we are finite and in flawed in our finiteness. So even the little bit of information we have is so incomplete that we, we have a hard time putting together that which we know to make sense. That's why we always say, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're doing the best to collate all the information and communicate it to someone else to where it makes sense to them and we have a hard time processing all that stuff and this is... This is, this is elementary school. He's infinite. Infinite. And the aggregate knowledge of humanity, the aggregate knowledge of all of history of humanity, doesn't measure to a thimbleful in terms of what he knows and who he is. So we can't much brag about what we know about him. But that which gains us access to him is that he knows us. Now, loving God is translated in, in John chapter 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Yes. So, so Jesus translates love into obedience. Now, you may say you love God, but if you're not obeying, you're not loving him like he wants to be loved. Anybody have somebody in their life who loves, the, loves you the way you... Anybody have somebody in the... <laughs> Hold on, hold on, I'll get it, I'll get it. Anybody have somebody in their life who loves you the way they want to love you? 
<laughs> February 14th. 1989. My wife told me we needed a vacuum cleaner. No, this ain't testifying. This is confessing. I go to Sears. I don't go to the FDD shop. The FTD shop wasn't on my list. I go to Sears because she said we needed a vacuum cleaner. But she didn't say we needed a vacuum cleaner on Valentine's Day. I brought her a vacuum cleaner home for Valentine's Day. Let me say that's the last time I did that. It's the last time I did that. I, th I thought, you know, she, she said we needed one and I can combine our economics. Because I wasn't making no money. Economics with our need and a holiday. Painful, isn't it? It's just painful to laugh at your pastor at this moment. I get it. I was loving her the way I wanted to love her. The beauty is she said this. Thank you. <laughs> She's amazing. She's amazing. But I, I knew I was doing something wrong. When I went to the, to the person at Sears who was, I was checking out, I was buying a thing. And, and she said, oh, y'all need a vacuum. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. She said, and she's going to like this. I kept going, just stupid, just flat stupid. I figured out how to love her the way she wants to be loved. God said, you love me like this. Don't bring me vacuum cleaners. We bring him vacuum cleaners all the time. Love me by obedience. Love me like that. And what it does is it gives you the privilege of him knowing you. Close with this. I went to um, a football game and my buddy Daryl Green back in the 80s was playing with the Skins and he allowed us to come downstairs with my son, my eldest Joseph at the time and get in the locker room and see the ball players. And um, so it was cool. We came downstairs and there was a security guard in front of the door and I said, listen, my name is Brett Fuller. I'm Daryl Green's pastor. This is my son. He said we could come in and meet some of the ball players after the game. The guy said, mm-hmm. He said, go stand over there. I said, I get it. I get it. Listen, could, could you please go in and just talk to him and tell him his pastor's out here, Brett Fuller? He said, okay. So he goes in, talks to Daryl, comes back, very different demeanor. Yes, sir. Follow me. It didn't matter how much I said I knew Daryl. The only way I was getting, gaining access is if he knew me. You can talk about how much you know God all the want, All you want. All you want. But if he doesn't know you, you're not getting in. See, we often know, know God like we know celebrities. We've seen them act. We've seen them perform. They're amazing. And when we see them in the malls, they're up! They're up! I need autographs. Sign my shirt! Call him by his first name. They don't know him. That's the way we treat God. I've heard about you. I've seen you perform. The world is here, but we don't know them. 
the only way we know we know him well enough is if he knows us and gives us access. You want access like that. Obey him. If he is your Lord, act like it. Every day of your life. Let's pray.